0: Mananam, Nidityasanam Listen, Reflect and Absorb. Dear listeners, Sairam and welcome to a radio series in which a divine discourse by Pakavan is played in small parts and following each part a short discussion is undertaken to reflect on the message. This series is a part of Radio Sai's first day live broadcast that goes on air at 7.30 pm on Asia stream. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 10th October 2013, Mr. Sai Giridhar, Research Scholar at the Sri Satyasai Sai Institute of Higher Learning and Mr. Bishu Prashti, member of Team Radio Sai participated as guests. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian Culture and Spirituality 1990. The clips played today are from the discourse delivered on 25th of May, 1990.
1: Offering my most humble and loving pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, this is Prem from Team Radio Sai welcoming you all to yet another episode of Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam the last week, we have the pleasure of the company of Brother Sai Giridhar from the Sutta Institute of High Learning, Saram Giridhar. Saram Prem. And Saram, Saram Prem. Saram Vishu. We are dealing with one of the most fascinating topics in spirituality, in uh, psychology, in in science and uh, in day-to-day living itself, in the mind. The second discourse on the mind in this series, the 1990 Summer Course series. And uh, very aptly named the vagaries of the mind. Uh, So, maybe before we carry on with what Swami has to say in the last two clips of this discourse, I'll quickly go through whatever Swami has said so far. Sure. It was a good exercise for me to write down what Swami is telling because it is then that I realised that Swami has gone so scientifically through this entire thing, you know, step by step. Swami posing problems, then giving the solutions and then saying how they are both connected, how this is connected to the solution, to the problem. And very beautiful... Uh, swami starts with a very powerful statement you know he says that purusharthas are generally understood as the goals of human life so swami said yes purusharthas are the goals of human life but you should not stop at just attaining you know dharma artha kama moksha he said the true achievement that man should go after is purification and the eventual annihilation of the antakarnas that should be the goal of the whole process and antakarnas as swami has told in the previous discourses is Manas, Buddhi, Chitta and Ahankara And the rest of the discourse is based on this allegory which Swami gives this analogy which Swami gives of the mind being a mirror and all the problems of the mind are explained with this analogy of the mind being the mirror and Swami said that this mind is subject to three kinds of pollutions Mala, Vikshepa and Avarna Going on to explain Mala, Swami says Mala is like the dust that accumulates on the mirror You know that kind of obstructs your ability to see what the mirror reflects uh, that is in the context of the mind is the muck which accumulates over the actions which you perform over the many lifetimes You know, every action comes with its own baggage of reflections and uh, reactions Swami said that that deposits itself as a dust on the mind and that obstructs the vision you have when you look at this, the mirror called the mind. And Swami says, what causes this thing? Is yes, of course, uh, Swami said that the actions which we do, and Swami went on to say, how do we handle this thing? Mala can be handled by Ahara and Vihara, making sure that the Ahara and Vihara are the right things. You know, you have the right eating habits and the right habits as such, all the other uh, Day to day habits which we have, and talking about ahara, Swami went on to patra shuddhi, padata shuddhi, and pak shuddhi. And uh, Swami said, Why dharmic living is important because the way one earns his livelihood, the vibration actually gets into the food, and the food gets into you, and that affects your mind. And you know, that is the connection with which Swami said patra shuddhi.
2: We are what we eat, we are what we eat, in some sense,
1: definitely, that's what it is. And Swami said that's why Patra Shuddhi, Padalata Shuddhi and Pakshuddhi is important. And given the fact that we are not always aware of who is cooking our food and where the ingredients for the food is coming from, Swami went on to emphasise the importance of Brahmarpanam, the offering of food to God and accepting it as a Prasadam. How that handles this uncertainty we have about the purity of the way food is cooked. And uh, Swami also went on to say that you know this mala which is accumulated over lifetimes can be removed only over practice. Like what has taken so much time to accumulate has to be removed only with constant and periodic practice. So, in that context Swami spoke about Abhyasa where Abhyasa is a very important thing and very encouragingly Swami said, you are all young and you can make amends even now. You know, past is past, you can make amends even now. That was in the concept of uh, mala. Coming to vikshepa, Swami said vikshepa is the wavering of the mind. Where mala was the obstruction caused by the makh, vikshepa is the wavering. And now when you see a wavering mirror, Swami says that you tend to think that your nature is also wavering. Swami says it's a flaw in the mirror, the wavering nature and it's not you. And uh, Swami went on to say that this can be handled by practices like meditation, kirtana, Shravanam and all these Navaveda Bhakti Marga. Swami said that these are all meant to still the mind, to control this Vikshepa nature of the mind. Going on to Avarna, the beauty of Avarna is, or rather the the sad thing about the Avarna is it comes out of Mala and Vikshepa. The mala and Vikshepa in, in a sense gives rise to Avarna, and Avarna is Swami went on to give that analogy of if you have a cloth covering the mirror, then the mirror does not show you anything at all. Like, you know, if there is dust covering the mirror, it might show you a distorted image or partial image. But when there is a thick cloth covering the mirror, Swami said a Turkish cloth, you know, that's the thickest which doesn't leave let any light pass through it. Yes. When that is covering the mirror, you don't see anything at all. So, what you see in the mirror is a completely different image. It's not what you really are. And uh, in that context, Swami was saying that, you know, the the cloth, what is that cloth? You say your cloth is covering the mirror, but what is that cloth? Swami said, it is Kama, Krodha, Madha, Moha, Loba and Matsarya and the vargas of course. And in that, Swami said, the most dangerous is pride because pride directly comes out of wrong association. You know, the wrong Ahankara and Mamakara, Swami said, and pride is of eight kinds. You know, there Swami went on to say, what are the eight kinds? That which comes out of money, that which comes out of learning and education, that which comes out of beauty, that which comes out of birth, that is caste, affluence, youth, position or authority and the last and the most dangerous, spiritual. You know, that which comes out of spiritual progress or the tapas which one does.
3: The siddhis you gain. The
1: siddhis you gain. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, as long as you are after money, you say that I am richer than him and I am more affluent than him but you give up money and turn to spiritual. He said, poor man, he is still after money. You know, <laughs> I am greater than him. I have given yes. up the you know, the way in which the mind plays with you. Yes. And the beauty with which Swami gives two simple ways of overcoming pride. He said that it's two simple ways and it's very practical. We can experience this if we try it out even in our daily life. Swami said there are two ways. One way is you look around and see what you're proud of, how many people are there around you who have that in greater amount, yes. and that will bring down your pride. You know, if you are talented, look at somebody who's more talented than you. If you're a good singer, look at how many good singers are there around you. You know, if you are good at a certain thing, let's say you are a very sweet-spoken uh, spoken person, look at how many other well-behaved people are there. And whatever can give you pride, if you can look around. You will see that there are people greater than that. You know the Thyagaraja way of looking at it. entaro mahanu bhavaru. Yes. You know, that kind of an attitude. So he said, as long as you live like a frog in the well, you will never get over pride. The second way of getting over pride is understand that whatever you're proud of is ephemeral in nature. Be it money, be it youth, be it the talent which you have or the beauty of your body, everything is ephemeral. Once you understand that, pride will automatically ebb away. And those are two ways of dealing with pride. And in general, Swami said, Avarna, which leads to wrong identification, can be overcome by loving all. You know, that's the final thing which Swami says of how to remove Avarna. And He says, loving all because love that leads to unity, the unifying love, that love which will, in its purest form, make you believe that you are one with everybody. And that is the ultimate, and that will remove Avarna. And that was the three pollutions of the mind the mala, vikshepa, and avarna. Then Swami went on to describe, and he's in the middle of that, of course, the four kinds of defects of the antakarna. And I think Swami uh, spoke about two of those in that context. And Swami gave that beautiful analogy of a candle which is covered by a pot which has nine holes, right? Nine holes, yeah. And then he said that there's a cloth on top of the uh, pot, and how each stage of removal of the cloth, the pot leads you to that oneness as long as uh, it is covered by that pot you think that the light coming out of each hole is a light by itself and when you remove the pot you realise that the light is actually the same it is just expressing itself through the many holes in that pot is that all this? I think that is where Swami left of course Swami is in the middle of as I said the four defects of the mind Branti that is delusion which is the hazard which comes out of the delusion. Yes. Then, Karna uh, I hope I have got that right. And that is the weakness of the instruments where there is defect in the instrument itself. Swami said, like how you have a hand as an external instrument and if there is a weakness in the instrument, the Antakarnas are inner instruments and there might be an inherent weakness in that instrument also. And this also comes by the wrong usage of it. That's what Swami says there. And I think uh, Swami explained about Two of those, we are left with the weakness of the instruments and vipralipsa or jealousy.
2: Wonderful. As you mentioned Prem, it is definitely a very very intense topic. There is so many new words and each word has uh, so many connotations. In fact, you can go on discussing about just one thing that Bhagawan is talking about here. And as you are summarizing, two-three thoughts came to me when Swami was mentioning about uh, Mala mm-hmm. I was just reminded of this uh, Story from the life of Buddha Okay. One day Buddha as he was Passing by one village He wanted to drink some water So he asked One of his disciples If he could see if there is any nearby stream And bring him A little water in a container So this disciple went down that valley and uh, he found a stream and just when he was about to collect water in the container a bullock cart passed through that water and you know the water now was muddy Mm -hmm. but uh, he did not know what to do Buddha wanted water so he just took that water and Came to the presence of Buddha and he said, Lord, I know what I have got is not pure water, it's so muddy, but I don't know what to do because just when I was about to take water, this bullock cart came and the water has now become so polluted with the mud. Buddha said, Doesn't matter, uh, no problem, you can go after half an hour. So, Buddha continues his sermon and after that, you know, he sends him after half an hour. And the disciple, when he reaches the water stream now, he sees that even now it is not as clear as he would want it to be. There are still a lot of traces of mud on the surface of the water. So, he stands there waiting for some time and dissatisfied with the quality of water, he comes back to Buddha. And Buddha asked, what happened? He says, Lord, I looked at the water, but uh, it is still not so clear. I didn't feel comfortable bringing that water. Buddha said, it's fine, no problem. You can go after some time. So after another half an hour later, Buddha sends him. And now the water is very clear. And he brings that water. And Buddha is so happy to receive that water. But then he asked him, did you get the message? He said, I didn't understand. Buddha said, see. What did you do for the water in the stream to become pure? He said nothing. Buddha said that is what you have to do. Just be. Do nothing. That is how our mind is. When you have all these thoughts, mala, vikshepa which is all the wavering of the mind all you have to do According to Lord Buddha, is just be. Just allow your mind to not be swayed with anything. And I think that is what Bhagwan once mentioned also to Mr. Krishna Kumar, who works as a financial controller in Bhagwan's hospital in Whitefield. Swami explained to him the concept of witness meditation, you know, mm. when anything comes to your mind, there are so many thoughts that sometimes assail your mind and you are not comfortable with those thoughts. You don't want to act on those thoughts. But sometimes, you know, you are swayed by these emotions. And and it is at these times that we make all the mistakes in our life and we are swayed by the emotions. And Swami says that you have to practice witness meditation. You have to just distance yourself from those thoughts. And just as Buddha said, just be. Everything will settle down. The so Swami said, whenever any thoughts come, you just notice the thought. And the moment you... Don't give that thought any power. You at that instant make that thought powerless. You don't give it any attention. Suppose I'm sitting down now to say read a book and suddenly I just remember that brother had said that you know there is this beautiful video and it's you know it's very tempting. And at that moment you know I don't want to give it time I just want to instantly act then I will go and possibly you know, spend the time seeing the video rather than doing something else which I thought was actually much better for me. But that is the time when you have to practice witness meditation. You are just okay. You are just still yourself. Okay, what is this thought coming? Let me not give it more power to that thought. I think that is one of those uh, one ways possibly how we can uh, tame this monkey mind as Bhagawan says. Right.
3: Uh, In fact, uh, Swami gives a description to this uh, meditation in a way we can understand. Uh, Swami says, it's just like you have at home a completely uninvited guest. You know, you really don't want that person at home, you have not invited that person and uh, he just comes and sits. Now, usually what we do is, we extend some amount of courtesy Saying, you know, uh, why don't you have something, you give him a cup of coffee or something yes, like that. He want to entertain. Yeah. So then, after the cup of coffee, he will await dinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably a movie show after the dinner and God knows what. <laughs> yes. So, the uninvited guest and who is also an unwanted guest, uh, not only comes there, he is given little bit entertainment. At the end of the day or rather the night, he stays on and God knows how long he is going to stay. Yes. Right? Swami gives this analogy and then Swami says that every thought which you don't want to identify yourself with, or you don't want to involve yourself with, treat the thought like an uninvited guest. But not the way we just mentioned now. Uh, But he says, absolutely ignore it. When you ignore what happens, it will try. I mean, if you have a guest who is uninvited and you ignore him or her, Uh, What will they They will try to catch your attention first, isn't it? It is the simplest thing that you can think of. And uh, that will happen even with the thoughts. That is when you try to ignore them, they will try to capture your attention in some way or the other. They will link up with some other thoughts and you know, create a movie show in your head uh, to you know, bring your attention towards them. But the technique which Swami says there is, if you continue to ignore that guess, the guest will get completely frustrated yes. and he will walk away never to come back. Come back. In the same way, thoughts also, if they are treated in this manner, that you don't involve with them with some amount of determination, they will not come back. In fact, I, I had some levels of success in practice of this. So, I found it very interesting that in fact, Swami says, to the extent when you are dissociating yourself with all these thoughts, finally, the thought that I should not associate with any thought also has to be given up. Okay. Right? So that is the kind of the ultimate step in the process where even the thought that I should not involve with any thoughts or I should be thoughtless uh, should be completely given up. Another uh, lesson I remember which Swami had told us in a discourse in the hostel way back, I think in the year 2000 or so, was about giving time to these. Uh, emotions, you know, whether it's anger, jealousy, hatred, all these emotions, uh, Swami said, it's a very simple way to deal with them. And uh, Swami gives the analogy of the ocean and and the waves. In fact, Swami said, even these six vices, uh, that is, anger, jealousy, hatred, all these six uh, vices, uh, they emerge from the ocean of love. Okay. In fact, fundamentally, they are also love. Yes, right. But uh, they are like the exterior waves in the ocean. Uh, apparently, the waves look different from the ocean. But if you enquire a little bit more deeply, even the wave is made of the same water as the ocean is. Yes. Uh, so basically, the wave is just the ocean. Yes. But then the wave looks different. In the same way, Swami said, each of these waves of anger, of jealousy, of lust, of hatred, they are all waves. And if you decide to ride the wave, it is going to carry you and throw you backwards. If you have gone to a beach and experienced a wave there, uh, we know that when the wave approaches us, if we ride the wave, the wave is going to throw us backwards behind where we are actually standing. Mm -hmm. But if you stand your ground, uh, I remember going uh, you know to Marina Beach during my childhood days and my parents would tell me just stand long enough that your feet go into the sand right. you know yes. they are so tightly locked inside the sand then the subsequent waves would shake me but they would not move me out of my place right in the same way swami said don't ride these waves of anger or jealousy or all these waves the moment you get a thought associated with these things just give it time Yes. In time, all these will settle down and a wave, when it settles down, what does it become? It becomes the water, which is the ocean. ocean. So, Swami said, in the same way, if you give it time, these waves of anger, of jealousy, of hatred will settle down back to its nascent
2: state, which is pure love. Wonderful! In fact, um, I just want to connect to what Girida said. You know, Girida mentioned that all these uh, Different emotions, be it uh, Kama, Krodha, Loba, they all originated from love. Right. And to me, what it occurs is, if you look at the Devi Bhagavatam, the Devi who is created by all the Devas, Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara, and all the Devas actually give power to this Devi to annihilate two demons, Madhu and Kaitava. But if you see the story, from where did these demons emerge they emerge from the dirt of the ear of Vishnu these demons also came from Vishnu so many times I feel instead of developing a sort of aversion to any of these traits because they are also in some ways God's creations one way to look at it I, I may be wrong but it's just a thought that you know you respect them just like a guest comes and is uninvited guest, but you know, with prostrations, you just tell the guest, I, "I respect you, whoever you are, but you know, please do not come here. You know, this is not the place for you." It's a very polite and respectable way of not welcoming the guest. I don't know if that is one way of looking at it, but what I feel is, even if a thought comes, you one way is yes to ignore it. Another way is another way is just. You know, maintain a respectable distance. You respect it, but you don't encourage it.
3: Yeah, Vishu, actually I have a personal experience related to this, related to the respecting, you know, these traits kind of a thing. And my experience is quite different in the sense that I did start with what you're saying. Way back in 2007, in a close meeting in Chennai, Swami had told us that Drinking coffee is very bad for health. So that day onwards, it was playing on my mind that Swami said coffee is bad for health, so I should stop coffee. Hmm. And I began to practice that slowly. I started off with you know respecting okay. the temptation of drinking coffee. Yeah. So how did I deal with it? Uh, I said, okay, I will not drink coffee on a daily basis. I will be a social uh, drinker of coffee. What that means is, you know, when my friends would call me for a cup of coffee, which I hope was once in a while or very rarely... I would go for a cup of coffee, but I wouldn't drink on a regular basis. That is what I planned uh, for myself. Okay. You know, slowly I found that uh, so many opportunities (laughs) just sprung up where, you know, my friends were coming and asking me, why don't we go and have a cup of coffee? So, I felt that, you know, this this method of negotiation or, you know, this kind of… Can be uh, very slippery. Yeah, it can be tremendously slippery. True. <laughs> uh, but then I moved to the next kind of a methodology. What I did was, I started uh, using Yukti as Swami says. Yukti is basically intelligent means. So, I told myself that I am not supposed to have coffee. So, let me have something which is not entirely coffee. So, let, let me have uh, maybe a mocha drink or a cappuccino or something like that. Okay. Uh, so, I started drinking cappuccinos instead of coffee so I would very proudly say no I don't take coffee anymore but I would drink uh, cappuccinos which is not entirely coffee yes right even that you know can be slippery again yes uh, how I realized that was there was a conference in the university and a table was completely filled with I think a hundred cups of coffee okay right and uh, the the aroma the fragrance <laughs> of the coffee was so wonderful! You know, anybody in 100 meter perimeter wouldn't miss uh, the aroma of that coffee and I loved coffee uh, at that point of time. I still do, but I, I am not uh, attracted to it. What happened was, that is when I quickly recognized that both these methods of you know peaceful uh, negotiation or some kind of intelligent means to yeah. overcome this kind of habits were not working. Yes. Then I started asking my, myself this question, why do I really want to stop having coffee? Then I realized, maybe at some point of time, the temptation of coffee is so much that I am not really concerned about my health versus drinking coffee. right? Then I decided, let it not be about your health, let it be a very simple thing. I love Swami and Swami said, you know, coffee is bad for health. Just to make Him happy, can I stop yes. coffee? In fact, this change in attitude or the purpose behind stopping uh, this habit helped me tremendously. And uh, from that day on uh, till uh, today, yeah. which is like more than uh, six years now, I have been free from uh, coffee Wonderful. addiction. If I Congratulations. <laughs> but what
2: you. I want to add here, uh, Giridhar, is when I said that you have to respect, I didn't mean that you have to negotiate. What I meant is just as you said now, I still do love coffee, but you don't drink. That is what I meant in the sense that you don't sort of hate anything, but you don't allow them to come into you also. Just like Swami says, you should not hate anyone in this world. So, that is the attitude what I was saying, wherein you don't encourage them to come into you, but you don't hate them either. You know,
3: Bishu, there are a couple of attitudes which has just come up right from the introduction up until now. Uh, Prem was mentioning about a way to overcome pride. And he said, uh, the way is, you know, to look at people
1: who are better than you. Small correction, I did not say it. Swami said it in his discourse.
2: (laughs) Of course, Swami mentioned that in his discourse. I think if you you have this attitude also, even if you find people with these attributes, which we might think which are not good, you know, be it Kama or Kroda, then you won't hate them because, you know, they are just attributes. They are also creations of God. You you don't judge people. Everything is fine. You don't encourage them. You respect everything. So, uh,
3: in these lines, actually, there are four qualities which Swami describes, which Swami says is fundamental human qualities. In fact, couple of them have been mentioned like preventive measure of pride. Swami had mentioned that we should look at people who are better than us and, uh, you know, feel... Uh, joyous about that yes. uh, see them and uh, you know look at them and feel how great they are and how they have achieved that and that kind of a feeling can uh, help us develop uh, humility in fact swami calls this particular quality as mudita okay right and it's the, a beautiful word yeah it's a beautiful word we know the bhajan prema mudita yes mudita basically means a heart overflowing with joy with love right and uh, on seeing others yes. who are better than us yes. in some way or the other. You see only the good in others. Yeah. So now coming to the four qualities, human qualities, which Swami says are the basic human qualities. And in fact, it is so wonderful when I was going through this discourse of Bhagwan, where Swami describes this, it is basically the four kinds of relationships that every single uh, one of us have with the people around us. You know, the four qualities are Maitri, the first one. Maitri means friendship in a very simple layman's term. The second quality is Karuna or compassion. The third quality is Mudita, which is the heart filled with joy on seeing somebody better than us in some field. And the fourth one is upeksha Mm-hmm. Upeksha is non-attachment or as uh, Bishu just described, not to feel that kind of a hatred even towards Adharmic people. Yes. So, that is what is called as Upeksha. Now, uh, how do we develop these four kinds of relationships? First one is Maitri, which is friendship. Swami in that discourse, hopefully sometime we should get that uh, clip, discourse clip and play it. Swami says, friendship should be made only between absolute equals. Yes. Now, it is like next to impossible to find two people who are absolutely equal in every single way. You know, uh, financially, in their uh, attitudes, in their uh, visions for life, whatever, in their tastes, two people absolutely equal in all respects, it it is almost impossible. Uh, but then Swami says that you must maintain your friendship only up to the point of equality. mm-hmm In fact, when I was mentioning this in the Awareness class, one of the students asked, "Uh, So, Sir, does it mean that we can never be friends with somebody say like Sachin Tendulkar? (laughs) You know? I said no that's not true because there are points of equality that you might find with some uh, somebody some great personality like even Sachin uh, for example he is bhagwan's devotee you're bhagwan's devotee you love
2: so, cricket he loves cricket
3: <laughs> yeah so uh, on on these lines when you're sharing say experiences of bhagwan or talking about bhagwan you could be friends yes. because there is a point of equality to some extent there but if you extend that beyond the realms swami says what could happen is when you have a friend uh, say swami gives the example of financial inequality he says when you have a friend who is financially better placed than you there might be some situation where he might impose himself on you or you know assert himself or something like that and at that point the friendship breaks you know swami says that uh, it is important that that way This is not just with respect to the financial inequality but at any point of time in life, maintain the friendship only to the point of equality where you see that we both have some commonality. Beyond that, don't extend the friendship. Uh, That is the first lesson in relationship which Swami gives uh, with respect to Maitri. Uh, The second step or the second kind of relationship Swami says uh, is Karuna. Now, friendship is with equals. Karuna is towards the lesser privileged people. It is not a sense of uh, sympathy or pity, uh, so to speak. Uh, But Karuna is more like, you know, let me narrate a story which Swami gives to illustrate what is Karuna or Daya or compassion. Uh, Swami says that, you know, there is this small calf which is stuck in a slushy pool of water and uh, it is not able to come out and it is really struggling, it is slipping. And there were few street urchins who were watching this scene and uh, they were having you know a good uh, peals of laughter uh, you know and all that and there was an ascetic who was passing by and the ascetic sees this whole scene, immediately rushes to the calf, picks up the calf, puts it on the, on a safe ground he's about to go when these children question him as to why did he do that because that was their entertainment they were having lots of fun seeing the calf you know struggling to come out and they were wondering how would it ever come out but at that time the ascetic gives a beautiful message and swami says the ascetic uh, then tells the children that i did not do anything to remove the suffering of the calf it's just simple when i saw the calf suffering i felt tremendous pain in my heart. That suffering, I experienced it myself and all I did was whatever was required to be done to remove my own suffering. You know, that is why I went and pulled the calf out. Wonderful. Swami gives this analogy or the story and then says, Karuna or compassion should be like this. You must identify, though it is expressed towards people who are lesser privileged than us in that particular aspect. But it should not be uh, with an attitude of pity but rather I must be able to identify their problems or their suffering as my own and simply do what I need to do to alleviate my own suffering. So Swami says that is the second kind of relationship that you have. So friends on points of equality, Karuna on those points where somebody is little lesser privileged than us in some way or the other. Uh, The third one is Mudita as we discussed, Swami describes that when you see somebody who is better than you, who has got more than you in certain respects, say uh, you are good at music and you see somebody like Pandit Shukumar Sharma who is a maestro in the field, so what happens is you have reverence towards them. Uh, So that kind of a reverential attitude or joy on seeing such accomplished people helps you to learn from them. Right? So, that is the third kind of relationship, which is Murita. And the fourth, Swami says, is Upeksha, non-expectation. Uh, one, of course, is from people who are adharmic in nature. That is, people who don't follow the rules say, you don't hate them completely, but at the same time, you do your duty. If yes. you are a policeman, upeksha doesn't mean that you don't punish the thief. Yes. Punishment is by the law. For whatever he has done, he needs to be punished. You hate his crime, but not him. Yes, it's it's you punish the crime. You don't yeah. even hate the crime. You yes. punish the crime, correct, and uh, not the person, correct, right? Uh, so that way, upeksha can be practiced. One step higher than that, Swami says, non-expectation even from dharmic people. If you find somebody who is righteous, who is a very good person in the society, don't expect that he will do something for you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so these are the four. Levels of relationship
1: with Swami sees. Right. You know, we had different ways of handling our uh, problems, you know. But one thing, one uh, particular thing, one of our students had a dream in which Swami comes and asks a Balvekas class. Swami asked them, What is that which is most necessary to do an activity, to complete a task? And most spontaneously, one boy got up and he said, Swami, confidence. And immediately the whole class broke into an applause. Because that seemed to be the most apt answer that anybody could give. And everybody kind of appreciated that and acknowledged that. They didn't even give a chance for Swami to respond. You know, That was the scene this person was seeing in the dream. Swami smiled and Swami said, yes, confidence is important, but that's not the most essential. Swami said, the most essential is the will to do the act. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, of course, narrates it in the context of Icha Shakti, you know, the will to do, you know, whether you ignore the Vargas, you respect them as guests or you ignore them as guests, whatever it is, as long as the will which is behind yes. whatever you're doing, you know, whichever process you're undertaking, the will is to, as Swami would say, mumukshatvam, you know, what is said in Viveku Chudamani, the desire to liberate yourself or desire to experience that pure happiness, if that is the driving force, I think any of these methods can be taken. Yes. And as long as the goal is that, I think uh, even if you slip here and there, you would always pick yourself up and move in the right direction.
2: Just one word here, Prime, before we move further. I just want to share what has worked for me in terms of mind control. Mm-hmm. And probably this will help someone else also. The simplest thing what has helped is namaspana. Right. Whenever anything comes which is perhaps not wanted, unwanted in your mind. If you can just pause and chant Bhagwan's name or chant any mantra that you know you have an affinity to, it will definitely still the mind and the mantra will give you the power to exercise your will. Right. Just like the Gayatri mantra which has that uh, potency to fill you with the power to bolster your mind to take this decision ultimately you have to exercise your will to control your senses. I think that is something which we all can possibly practice.
1: So uh, let's go to the clip uh, which we'll be playing. This is, I think, will be the penultimate clip in that discourse. And at the end of it, we'll discuss what Swami is sharing with us.
4: Inka, Moodavadi The third one Karana Pathana Karana Paham Karana Pathana anaga yemti Karana mo, anaga karana refers to instrument indriya apana means uh, weakness. weakness weakness the third one is the weakness of the senses there is a particular type of disease ailment ee jabbuto <laughs> The mind is enjoying all the things through senses. Mind also is getting diseased. What are the types of ailments which these senses have? Senses can never show you the true color of the things you see. The senses conduct themselves in the context. Contextually, one small example. There was a very big landlord. He was a very important person. There was another person who was a little lower than that. The animals belonging to the head of that village and another farmer of that village were killed. On account of some incident, they began uh, fighting against each other. The bullock relating uh, relating to this uh, head of the village died on account of that fire. He chala The other farmer was rather fine. He He's the head of the village. he has got a big name. He was afraid that he may be punished by the head of the village and he ran to the house of the head of the village. He was nervousness on account of fear. He wanted to convey something but he conveyed something opposite of that. Mie itu maie itu ni cuma sampai sendiri He said, "Oh landlord, your animal has killed my animal." Ready guys, parah macam tangga win heard this very peacefully, Naina nae. Televisi, teater keliling jinti baru, buddeku selite keliling naipun ti, Well, say People who are educated, who have got cleverness, they fight among themselves and sometimes kill each other. After all, the animals are dying. They They do not have any type of intelligence. When the animals fight among themselves and kill, who can be held responsible themselves? He satisfied him in a peaceful way, telling, well, this is all natural, don't get excited about it. But this farmer realized the mistake. Oh, Master, I have committed a great mistake. Well, my animal has killed your animal. <laughs> he was overwhelmed <war-hound> with excitement. Yes, thank you. Me, me, I In the ground we have seen you. Now you the Five hundred rupees, he became highly excited and said, how impertinent you are, how can your animal king my animal, and I am living a fine of 500 rupees Sahajamu. is you can see how these people began defending themselves, and the play of the senses, how they were helpful in interpreting differently, which has been a very important thing Senses have therefore an ailment. Mak manaku malaria jaivaramachindi. There was malaria fever. puramu ye karamu uppu uppu chedu chedu. Before you got the malaria fever, the taste was uh, really appropriate to the one which you tasted. Salt malaria salt. Salt. But after you got malaria fever, even sweet latu was bitter. Is it the defect of the object? No, it is the defect of your mind. When you are healthy, you see things as they are, red as they are. But once you get jaundice, everything looks alone. As these senses have certain diseases and limitations, when mind gets associated with them, it also behaves in that particular way. Karana means an account of the defects and weaknesses of the senses, mind and man also behaves Lipra in a way. Vipra Lipsa is, is another. Vipra Lipsa means jealousy. ni is a man whos a Jealousy is a very great weakness for man. Chuste When he sees someone who is better, he can never be happy. When he comes across a good person, he can never feel satisfied with it. There is medicine in this world for any type of disease, but not for jealousy. Not being able to enjoy when some people are happy, when you see someone happy, be happy. When some people give you joy or happiness, you should also return to Why should you develop jealousy against this Do not suffer from jealousy. You enjoy if someone gets a higher mark than you, as if your brother himself has got it. Everyone is my brother brotherhood of man fatherhood of god Brother, he brother. Recommended develop such sacred thoughts what is the reason for developing jealousy selfishness in what form does selfishness exist in students you want to board a bus. You come across women, children, and people who are old and who have you, all all. you a bus. You a <laughs> <laughs> You are in your youth, your body is strong. You should say, Let those weak people get a seat. But you don't do it. it is... Give an opportunity first for the weaker people, the ladies, the children. If you get a seat, Well, it is okay. If you don't get, walk a little distance. You get two benefits by this kind of walking a little distance. By that walking, you get a little physical exercise. And also, you save the bus fare for that particular mile which you walk. Develop this kind of broad-mindedness.
1: So that was a clip, and I think many of the points which we discussed before we played that clip, were featured in that part of the discourse where Swami spoke, especially about uh, countering jealousy. I think as students, we all have seen how uh, literally allergic Swami was to this uh, idea of jealousy, and you know, especially when Swami was the most cherished wealth, yes, and we used to be so, so jealous about his time. Uh, being given to somebody else one of the things which we used to tell ourselves as students is a sublimating of some of these things that's one of the points which both of you were mentioning sublimating some of the vices which are there in us and in that they used to say that yes you are jealous when you know you are not getting Swami's time and Swami is giving it to somebody don't ask why him instead ask why not me and that is a way of turning inward and doing what is spiritually necessary to be worthy of that receiving that from Swami.
3: In fact, it is so beautiful that in Kodekanal, uh, Swami actually demonstrated this. Mm -hmm. He called one of the students and he was holding his hand and walking around. And he was looking at everybody's faces and then Swami said, You are feeling jealous? You are feeling jealous that this boy is holding my hand? And then Swami said, How do you sublimate this feeling? Uh, Swami said, See, all of you, when you see this boy holding my hand, hand, you have this yearning to hold Swami's hand. So, Swami said, focus on that yearning. Wow. Right? Swami said, focus on that yearning and that yearning will take you to higher levels.
2: <laughs> in fact, uh, I am reminded of uh, my first year in Sri Satisha Sahar Secondary School. Mm-hmm. One afternoon, I saw this brother of mine who was staying in my room come into the room and so jubilant he was so happy and you know his happiness was like uh, unbounded and when i asked him what was the occasion he mentioned about another boy who had achieved something he had got first prize in something and that brother was not a friend of this brother who was so happy both of them had Nothing to say that they are fast friends or it's not like his partner in studies or nothing of that sort. For the first time actually in my life, I saw someone so happy for someone else's uh, success. success. Frankly, I was uh, taken aback. As an 11th class boy, for a long time I was thinking, why this fellow is so happy? That brother got something, why this boy happy?
1: Really, you know, that's what beats the reasoning, you know. (laughs) You think of it, we all want to be happy. Yes. And if we can develop this idea of being happy at anybody's success, we can be happy all the time. All the time. You know, that's what we want to be. Yes. Yes. But, you know, it beats a reason why we don't do that and why we feel that I'm happy only when I'm happy and when good things happen to me. You will always
2: be happy. There's someone in the world who's happy. Somebody or the other is
1: winning the race. (laughs) Yes. Even if you're losing the race, someone is winning the race. Someone has to come first. Someone has to... Mm -hmm. get the top rank but of course that comes later in the discourse the first part is this beautiful story you know wonder of wonders how Swami can put profound messages and pack them in such sweet stories really but one thing which Swami says in this is you know we spoke about it the last week where you are happy to possess something Mm. and even if it is in front of you even if let's say I I like a particular car I am very fond of even if my neighbor is going to come and park the car in my compound, you know, that's not going to give me the joy of possessing that thing. And that is what it is. When that association comes, when that possessiveness comes, you know, our morals are distorted, our decision-making is distorted, the stance which we take is distorted, like the story which saw me saying here. You know, at one moment you're in a moral high ground. The moment the associations change, you know, my cow becomes his cow and his cow becomes my cow. You, the, you go back on your words and you you actually just step down from the moral high ground which you have stood on and you know that's a very interesting thing because if you look at some of the lives of some great people Ramana Maharishi Ramakrishna Paramahamsa Swami our Swami I am not comparing Swami with the other people who have Master. who are elevated masters Swami is definitely beyond them but one thing which is common in any of these masters lives is they all would have gone through some bit of physical suffering You know, because when you look at it, Ramana Maharshi, somebody like Ramana, he always said that you are not the body. So when people come to Ramana with body ailments and pain in their body and Ramana would have told them that you are not the body, they would say, what do you know about body pain? You know, what authority do you have to tell me that I am not the body and you have to go transcend pain? So it became mandatory for them to go through that bit of physical pain from where they had to show by... Practice and show by example that yes, I too have a body, I too have a pain, but I'm not this body, and so I will not be affected by the pain.
3: In fact, in the specific case of Ramana Maharshi, worms were eating up his body, you know, to, to that extent, and he was absolutely detached from uh, the identification uh, with the body.
1: And, you and, know, he used to say that, and that's a very profound way when people used to ask him, you know, Bhagwan, don't you have pain? You say the body has the pain, because you know through our childhood and through our schooling, we are constantly linguistically, scientifically, and through the interactions in society, we always associate that I and me and you with only the body. You know, I am having pain, I am not happy, and shirt is not fitting me. So always we are saying that this yes. I is only the body. Yes. So Ramna, even in talking, even the normal this one, he always said that you no. Know, the body is having the pain but the, the only is...
2: person uh, we have heard who always referred to himself as ideham was bhagwan he always right. said ideham uh, even mother Swami referred to as ghrama mai and uh, you saw the same thing echo in bhagwan's uh, life too whenever you know people said swami you must be suffering swami said uh, pain may be there but i am not suffering there is no suffering and on another occasion, he said, you know, it is not shama, it is Prema. It is all his love. So, I think right we have seen bah- that in Bhagwan.
1: The beauty of that is, you cannot take this only in an intellectual level with Swami. When Swami would come and ask you, where are you from? We said, this body is from Chennai. <laughs> <laughs> and we have seen that also, when it is a very hollow answer. Yes, when it
2: is a hollow answer. And
1: I have also seen that a, a classmate of mine, you know, he was showing pictures of the interview which Swami gave his family. You know, the interview was given a few years back and he just happened to bring that album and that day Swami just came by and he thought why not show Swami and he got up and he showed Swami. A very sweet moment where Swami was also recollecting with the boy the time which Swami spent with that family. And you know, Swami pointed to the mother in the photograph and he says, who is this? And the boy said that, you know, I didn't think of it. I just said, Swami, this body's mother. Okay. And he didn't say that, uh, you know, I knew that that was a politically correct answer to give. He said, it just came from within. Okay. And he said, Swami was very happy when he said that. Wow. Swami so said, good boy.
2: Wonderful. <laughs> in fact, this one uh, humorous incident in Brindavan one day, I think, Swami came out for Darshan and there's few boys standing and Swami asked, uh, who am I? You know, so there is someone who said, Swami, you are God. There is someone who said, Swami, you are Shiva Shakti, etc., etc. And, you know, Then um, then Swami asked, who are you? So all those uh, answers, not convincing. So finally one boy thought, you know, let me just make you this opportunity and tell tell the answer that Swami wants to hear, you know. So he said, Swami, I am you. You know, we are same. Swami said, oh, in that case, why don't you go out and give darshan? (laughs) So... I think as you mentioned, whenever it happened from a space that was not convinced of what mm. uh, he was saying, I think Swami also reacted from in, in that particular manner. Very true.
3: I have a uh, incident, uh, similar, very funny personal incident. It so happened that I was in my second year undergraduate and that day we were sitting in the first line uh, for the Asha And Swami used to spend close to one hour, one and a half hours... You know, talking to the students and staff those days, and uh, one day Swami just looked at me and asked, "Where are you from?" I said, "Swami, uh, I'm from you." Okay. Uh, he said, He changed the question uh, in Telugu. Uh, I said, uh, "From uh, which Swami, place have you come?" Uh, which place have you come in Telugu? Uh, I said, "Swami, from you again." Then, he rephrased it and said, A Uru, that is, you know, which city, literally, you know. So, I cannot (laughs) give the same answer again. So, I said, uh, Swami from Chennai, said, Abba! uh, What you can say in a very simple way, Uh, You know, he touched his nose directly (laughs) and he put his hand around his head and touched the nose and said, You are saying it this way, you know. And he said, Anta Einstein Buddhi, Anta Einstein Buddhi. (laughs) That is what uh, Swami said. As you said, if it doesn't come from the uh, point of conviction from inside, Swami would discourage uh, that. But he would always encourage, even there is a seed of that feeling in you, he yes. would definitely give... But there, are, I think there are devotion. so
2: many instances when boys have given those answers and Swami has immediately given them Namaskaram mm-hmm. when it came from that space of conviction.
1: And you know, when I hear this discourse and Swami is talking about the senses, the senses not being true to their... Uh, as true as you believe them to be. And Swami is giving the example of that malaria can change your taste. It does not give you the actual taste of the the object that you eat. You know, all said and done, uh, as I was saying that will to find out all these things. You know, who would sit and think that am I actually seeing what I'm seeing? Are the eyes actually showing me what is in front of me or is it that my mind is playing with it? You know, a certain amount of inquiry needs to happen even to think of all these things. You know, I'm just tempted to ask you Giridhar, you are with the students in the university. How do you explain this to students? You know, How do you get them to think like this? I, do you find that students are readily into such things, such such things, kind of inquiry or a deeper thought?
3: See, our uh, fundamental premise when I, I personally deal with students is Swami is always told that uh, students are Maharishi Tattvas. Mm-hmm. And uh, in general, Swami has told all of us are Divyatma Surupas, that is, we are the embodiments of Atma. Uh, so, Uh, there are two ways we can approach. We can always find faults with others or see, you know, that this person is not up to the mark and all that and keep uh, trying to find out remedial measures. Uh, But uh, in my own little experience, what I found was uh, the approach of starting with absolute positive frame of mind, that is to first consider that, yes, Swami has told they are all Maharishi Tattvas. So let me start off from there. You know, for some reason, they they might not be manifesting those behaviors. So let me build an ambience for them to manifest those qualities. In fact, if you see the entire system of education, the hostel, everything that Swami has personally designed is simply a medium to create that kind of an ambience where these good qualities automatically manifest. They, They don't have a choice. If you go through a system, automatically the good qualities will Manifest because they are there in you already. It's Correct. not that the good qualities are imbibed from outside. For example, Swami always used to say, "Values are never taught. Values are always caught." Yes. Right. It is caught because uh, they see you behave, and that leaves a deep impression, or that triggers of something within them. Yes. It is not that they are seeing you and imitating you or something like that. It's basically there is something within them that goodness within them when they see somebody capable of exhibiting that goodness that same goodness which is inside of them simply starts sprouting yes right uh, so this is the simple philosophy that we use uh, that start uh, with the premise that they are maharishi Tattvas. so love them unconditionally in fact i remember one of our elders telling us that swami had guided that uh, warden of the campus uh, saying that See, fundamentally, you should have love for students. Unless you have love, you don't have the right to correct them. You know, it becomes an ego affair otherwise. Most places we see that. When it comes down to rules, uh, it is a pure ego affair. It means you have not listened to me, you have not done what I have said. It goes that way. But what Swami said is, fundamentally love them, love them unconditionally. right? So, that could manifest in, in many ways. Right. It could be punishment sometimes, it mm-hmm. could be reward sometimes, right. but both are coming out of love for them, genuine love for them. So, uh, I think this is how we I think it's a course.
1: very important point which you said because that's something which Swami has said in other occasions too. You need to show people that values work. You need to show that happiness can be found by these means. That's what has been forgotten. It's, it's a forgotten path as you say. You know. People have to be infused with the belief that spirituality does work and spirituality does give you not only happiness but even worldly success you know you can be a better person by these techniques which Swami is teaching us mind control stability of the mind one pointedness these are all as much required for success in worldly activities as much in spiritual activities so as you said to give people the belief that it works and to be Models in front of them is the most important thing. That's what Swami used to say.
3: In fact, Swami used to say, We don't want uh, teachers, we want acharyas. And Swami used to define acharya. Yes. He said, One who practices, petinavale acharyulu. Correct. That is, those who would practice right. what they are trying to implement in the students or bring out in the students,
2: they are acharyas. The greatest example was Bhagwan himself. Right. I mean, if you see, if Bhagwan has been transforming and he's transformed dozens and you know, hundreds of thousands of boys. That is only because of that unconditional love. He, right. Bhagavan would put you through so much of uh, <laughs> sort of grind. But you know, your love only increased for him. And uh, same thing, once I was talking to Silas sir, who who teaches in the school and you know, there were times when he actually punished some of the boys severely for some act that they have done. That, but the boys never developed any sort of anger for the teacher you know because they always knew that the teacher is operating from a point of deep love for him they were so convinced that they never developed hatred in fact the boys later came and you know they reformed themselves and then the later years they came in and offered their gratitude to the teachers so i think that is so important as and you, you know, mentioned the moment you do something with pure you love saying
1: acharya you know and the ones who put into practice putting it in kasturi's words he says, stopping Chatterjee's and become Banerjee's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, inimicable. Kasturi, I think we have one last clip, which is about eight minutes. Maybe with that, this discourse comes to a conclusion. We'll uh, play that clip out.
4: Examinations are intervata. Results papers declared. After the examinations are over, results are declared. <laughs> <produce> <laughs> papers. After the examinations <laughs> are over, results are declared. results are declared. Lacks of results and numbers are printed in three to four pages of the newspaper. He is concerned only about his number. When you open the newspaper, be it Indian Express or Hindu, you see so many numbers. But when you see so many numbers, how no. happy will mm-hmm. you be? It Should be overjoyed with the feeling that so <laughs> many people have passed. <laughs> but selfish people will never have <laughs> that <laughs> joy. In the midst of so many innumerable numbers, you are looking for <laughs> your <laughs> own number. <laughs> First you enjoy, then you can search for your own number. <laughs> but people do not have such broad mindedness vidyarthulara destra in the very first instance jealousy in you, dear students you are the very embodiment of pure meedamu Vedas have declared, well, child, you are the children of immortality. Develop broad-mindedness. Reduce the unsteadiness and increase the steadiness of the senses. That will give you purity of mind. Then only you will be a man with... Purity of three karanas, three instruments. Kanuka, manasunandam malinyani, antakkaranas patty nekti yokka malinyani, manamu, nirmulamu ga avincha ko naan te sat karmalu, sat buddhi, sadalochina, satchintan cheta, sat karmala cheta chesko. If you want to remove the dirt which has accumulated on your mind and antakkarana, through good deeds, good thoughts, good words, good action, you can remove them and purify your own Do not see bad, bad things. Do not hear bad things, hear good things only. Develop such sacred feelings. There is only one thing which is important for purity. See no evil, see what is good. Hear no will hear what is good. Think no ye will think what is good. Talk no ye will talk what is good. Do no ye will do what is good. Ide By this particular process, you can purify your heart and you can also enjoy the bliss of wisdom. And make your lives worthy and happy. Mind by itself cannot see. It can see only through senses. Only through senses it can talk. Manasu Use the senses properly. Mind will always be pure. In this youth, when you have got the strength of the body, strength of the mind, strength of the intelligence, strength of the people. This is the best time to earn the grace of God. During rainy season, you'll have to collect water in the tank so that you can use it during summer. This is the best season In this age alone, you'll have to fill your hearts with divine grace. If you can earn grace now, you can use it in future for your own good and benefit. Develop love for God. Have firm faith that God dwells in everyone. God will never forget you. Bhaktude, it is the devotee who forgets. God never leaves his devotees. Only devotees leaves his God. God never goes away from his devotee. But devotees going from his God. Poya danta Bhagavan today kaadan kuntaro. Kaani Bhagavan to report on the day. Bhaktule Bhagavadam Ledu. E by the worldly objects and sense organs and their temptations you think mm-hmm. that God is leaving God never leaves a devotee devotee only leaves God God will never forget Devotee, devotees only will forget God. On account of the power of delusion and the impact of the Maya, you think that way. Recognize and realize your own truth. That is real conscience. And that is the real witness. Satisfy your conscience, your life will be sanctified. With for the the body, the body, the body, the body, the body, the body and the body. But, if you recommend this idea, you can make it possible to students, for the past five days, we are trying to understand the physical body, the senses, the mind. Only when you understand this properly, life becomes enjoyable and reveals its its own mysteries. We have to understand intelligence. This is a very important thing. If there is water in the tank, you can get it through tap. Manasu, Hindi Muru, even tapsu. Even tapsu. Kani Buddhist tank. Body, senses, and mind are like taps. Ye tank lo, yellantinir, nimbukuntamu taps lo adantiniriyavustuntai. Whatever water you fill in the tank, the same water flows through the taps. Deer in the press, Kirinchkuni Vedantam, yet bhavam, kat bhavati That is the meaning of the declaration. Kaluka the tank which is such an important thing we will discuss and try to know in future
1: so that was the end of that discourse and as always Swami leaves a beautiful trail for what is to follow speaks about buddhi which is going to follow before that uh, this clip also Swami begins by uh, emphasizing The need to vanquish jealousy. And uh, you know, from there, Swami beautifully carries it on to the three things which will help you deal with this mind. He says, develop broad-mindedness, that will lead to stability of the mind, and that will eventually lead to purification of the mind. And that is why jealousy is something which have to give up. And then Swami is saying that Satchantana, Sadbuddhi, and Satkarma. This is the only way to purify the mind. Because that's something which Swami has told in this discourse and the previous one. The mind has no form of its own. The mind does not have something which you can catch and, if it's a little child, you can catch and uh, you know reform it. But this mind has no form. The only access we have to the mind is through these actions and the way you speak, the way you talk, the way you think, the feelings that arise in you, and that is the only way you can actually deal with it. So satkarma, satbuddhi, satchintana.
3: In fact, Swami makes it very clear uh, that the way to God is to see good, hear good, speak good, think good, feel good. And uh, unless the inputs are good, like uh, in the last discussion we had, uh, that the four-step process of Tyajadurjana samsargambhadhasas, the first step which is not allowing any evil or bad tendencies and qualities and impressions to enter us is the fundamental step. And Swami says, if you do that, Itself, it's a huge uh, step towards God. Yes,
2: and uh, I think what uh, Bhagwan mentioned in the initial part of the discourse here, Swami mentioned about Abhyasa. I think that is so important, the practice. Along with Abhyasa, Swami mentioned Vairagya. But uh, talking about Abhyasa, I'm just reminded of a story. Mm-hmm. There is this grandfather who tells uh, uh, this little one, the grandson, to go to the uh, water stream nearby and get some water in a basket. Mm-hmm. So, so, the little fellow takes this basket and you know goes down and which is a, a few meters away. He picks this water in this basket and he comes uh, back to the grandfather. The grandfather says, no, there is so little water in the basket, you know, everything is drained out on the way. Uh, you need to go and get it again. So, this fellow rushes down again and he runs faster this time and gets water but still again there is so little water and uh, this fellow says uh, grandfather I don't want to get water in this basket uh, in this uh, small basket I need to take a bucket if you want really water I can't get water here the grandfather says no 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 I want you to get in this basket only you take this basket doesn't matter so he again goes grandfather says you are not running fast you know what You you should be more energetic so he comes back and again there is very little water and then This grandson gets so frustrated, he says, what is this grandpa, I mean how many times you want me to go down and this this basket is such, you know, I am not able to get any water. Everything leaks because there are a lot of holes in this basket. So, what is the point? Then, the grandfather says, you remember what you asked me before the grandfather sent him for this exercise. This grandson had asked the grandfather this question. Grandpa, every day you ask me to read the Bhagavad Gita. But I read the Bhagavad Gita and you know, I don't remember anything. It just flows. I don't really get anything. I I finish reading it and when I think about it, I have not got anything out of it. I have forgotten everything. What is the point of reading the Bhagavad Gita again and again? That is the time when grandfather asked him to start this exercise. And when he comes back, now the grandfather says, Okay, little one, now look at the basket. The basket which was earlier black in color with soot and dirt, now was clean. That is what the grandfather said. See, that is what reading the Bhagavad Gita will do. You read continuously. doesn't matter whether you understand or not. That is what is with every spiritual practice, be it bhajans, be it bha- listening to Bhagavan, discourses, Shravanam, Malanam, nidhyasanam or be it anything. You have to continuously keep doing because you don't know how... It cleanses your inner being. How it cleanses and uh, purifies your minds, your senses.
1: The other message which I I get from that story is either you know why you're doing something, what you're doing, or you have somebody who is very clear of why he's making you do a certain thing.
2: Just follow. And that's the beauty of having. You place the faith on it. right?
1: That's the beauty of having Swami. And you know towards the end of this clip, that's what Swami says: that God will never forsake you. Yes. Because God is not somebody who can leave you and go. That's yes. the predicament maybe God is stuck up with because God is us and to He our is advantage. our true self and there is no way of we escaping from Him or He escaping from <laughs> us.
3: In fact, in, in a Kodai trip, uh, Swami had uh, very mysteriously brought uh, one of uh, his former students into the trip much later. That is, he did not join the group uh, from the beginning. Swami had asked him to bring some things to Kodai from Parthi and that's how he joined the group. And when He was uh, seated uh, in the dining hall along with all others for the evening snack session and Swami was going around, Swami looked at Him and said, I know I have taken you with Me 25 years back, that is uh, to the trip to Kashmir. And Swami said, I know it's been 25 years since I have taken you with Me. But remember one thing, Swami said in Telugu, Swami said, I never forget anybody. Wow! Though it's been 25 years, I still remember you. Fantastic!
1: You know, I'm reminded of another thing when Swami's classmate who was living in Bukhapatnam, after many, many years, you know, he had a surgery and Swami had sent vibhuti for him. So after he had recovered, the family members just wanted to take him to Swami and just send word to Swami saying that Swami, he's fine and he's here and he just wants to offer his gratitude. They just thought an acknowledgment would come from inside and Swami would say that I am very happy. But it was not the acknowledgment but Swami Himself came out. Swami had already retired after Darshan but Swami came out. So this person was pleasantly surprised and you know, Swami came to him and addressed him by his name and asked him, How are you? I heard you are not well. And you know this person was in tears, needless to say, quite obviously. And he said, Swami, I thought you had forgotten me, you know. The conversation was in Telugu, and Swami replied, Ninna marchipote, nanna nane marchiponatu. He said, If I forget you, it is like me forgetting myself. Wow. You know, what could have been a more profound answer than that?
2: In fact, I'm reminded of uh, one beautiful thing that I read. It seems in the earlier years, whenever devotees used to come, because, you know, it was this formative years of the ashram when you had the pathamandiram days and they had to really plan how many to cook for, how many people for that day. So, Swami used to inform them in advance, you know, you cook for 10 people today or cook for 20 people today. And Swami used to say, Iroju, this many people, chuttalu, chuttalu will come. How many chuttalu will come? there? Chuttalu means relatives. So that is how Swami used to refer to the devotees who used to come. Swami used to say, today 20 relatives will come. Tomorrow, thirty relatives will come. He will tell them tell them in the morning itself, so that you know he will tell them actually much before, so that they can get the provisions. Because you know, Puttapur they didn't have anything; they had to go maybe Anandpur and uh, somewhere else and get all the provisions. But that is the word Swami to always use, chuttalu.
3: In fact, another uh, a poem or a phrase which Swami often used to tell. I remember we used it in one of the dramas, and when Swami heard that, you know, he became very emotional, and we were wondering why, and immediately found out the meaning of. Uh, that verse more in-depth and uh, this is what uh, Swami says. Swami says, Nammaka chadinawaalu unna remo kaani chedina leru leru leru, Swami says very emphatically which means there might be people who might have lost in life uh, because they did not have faith in God but there is not a single case ever of a person who had faith in God and who was left alone uh, you know with the struggles of his life. God is always there and even the story of the footprints uh, you know uh, talks about this so beautifully. Uh, It it goes like there was this man who was you know running through his life with God. Uh, He was just seeing uh, over his whole lifetime and how it went through and he saw two sets of footprints and he asks God uh, whose footprints are these and God says that one set of footprints are yours and one set is mine. And as he sees those difficult periods in his life, he sees only one set of footprints and he becomes a little upset and he he tells God, what is this? Is it that during these difficult times, you left me alone and went away? And God says, "Uh, my dear, uh, look carefully, whose footprints are those? And when he actually looks carefully, he sees that during those very difficult times in his life, there were just one set of footprints and those were of God. And God says that in those times, in those troubled times, I did not even allow you to walk. I was carrying you on my shoulder. So those are my footprints that you see.
1: Beautiful. I think it's a lovely, uh, reassuring point to conclude this discussion. And it has been a wonderful discourse. It's been a wonderful discussion. A lovely episode of shavanam Mananam, Dear listeners, we hope that you would have enjoyed it as much as Bishu, Giridhar and myself have.
0: Sairam, you just heard an episode of a radio series. Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam That is, listen, reflect, and absorb. This is a segment hosted live on Thursdays at 7.30pm on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. In today's episode, which was first broadcast live on 10th October 2013, Mr. Sai Giridhar, Research Scholar at the Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning and Mr. Bishu Prashti, member of Team Radio Sai participated as guests. The discourses undertaken for study in this program are from the series of discourses delivered as part of the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality, 1990. The clips played today are from the discourse delivered on 25th May, 1990. To listen to the next part of this program, tune in same time, same day next week. Please do write to us and let us know what you think about this program by writing to Listener at radiosci.org. Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashanthinilayam.